We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome, Bears fans, to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on a Thursday here, October 6th, during um, a bit of a doozy of a Thursday night football game going on between the Colts and the Broncos. Um, lots of punts going on, a lot of ugly football from what I've seen before we start recording this podcast, but uh, we're here to, to discuss a lot of topics related to the Bears uh, today uh, as they you know, follow a 20 to 12 loss to the New York Giants. But before we get into that, you said, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. It's an ugly Thursday night game. All of them are ugly. And I think it kind of fits the theme because the Bears are playing on Thursday night in week six. So a week from tonight, actually. But, um, you know, all is well on my end. Excited to get to episode 125. Yeah, it's only the first half of this game so far, but, um, you know, <laughs> the the Bears-Commanders game next week says doesn't really have a high bar, but somehow I feel like, um, based off of what we saw this past week, that it's not going to be able to reach that bar of excitement just based off of how the Bears did in this last in this last game, losing to the Giants. And we covered it in our recap of that game for the Bear Report podcast uh, earlier in the week following the game. It's on our YouTube channel for anyone that wants to check out the Bear Report on YouTube and get our thoughts on the game there. But um, basically to sum it up, you know, it was a pretty ugly loss for the Bears on Sunday as, you know, the running game didn't quite get going as much as it did in their win against the Texans. The passing game was once again a struggle. Uh, we saw some huge just offensive line breakdowns throughout this entire game. Sam Mustafer really struggled at center. You know, Justin Fusel sacked six, six times in this one. And, you know, the defense, you know, they really struggled early on to defend the Giants' bootleg game. Like, that was just over and over again. The Giants kept on running bootlegs, and that led to the Giants getting a lead in this one. And, you know, once the Giants got a lead, it seemed like the Bears weren't able to respond because you know, they just couldn't get the passing game going. So not a great game for the Bears overall. And it leaves us with, once again, a ton of questions for this team going into uh, the rest of the season here. But, you know, that leads to our main topics for today, because today we're going to be taking a little bit of a bigger picture look at this Bears team, looking at, you know, the first quarter of the season here, now that we're through four games, you know, what have been the general themes of this Bears season so far? Um, what are some of the major storylines and what are some of the things that we're learning about this Bears team that can inform us on what to expect in 2023? So the first thing we'll touch on here is the main themes of this season so far. So you said, I'll start with you. Uh, what is your first major theme of this season four weeks in now that we're into this 2022 season? 
Yeah, I think for me, the first major theme is just the simple fact that you're seeing all this youth kind of just stick out if you're the Bears, right? Now, you look at where this team was last year, and you realize they had one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. But even that number, you kind of had to take with a grain of salt because there was this perfect mixture of veteran as well as young talent. It's just that number was kind of inflated as a result of players like Danny Trevathan, Robert Quinn, you could argue Khalil Mack too, who had turned 30 last year at this point, or I think 31 years old, and then Nick Foles and Andy Dalton, obviously. But you look at the Bears this year, and what you're really seeing is that it's a team that doesn't really know how to play proper football, and they don't know how to play proper football because this is a roster that overwent a massive kind of revamp in the off season. Some of these guys have been together for a couple of years. Some of these guys are figuring out how to play together and to kind of sum it up with all this young talent, the bears have football players, but they don't have guys yet who fit football players and the vision and the type of football players that Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles want. Yeah, definitely the youth movement has been a huge part of uh, this season so far. I mean, it, it's a rebuild here. So we knew that there were going to be a lot of new faces here and that the Bears, you know, with their strategy in the draft, with trading down a bunch and getting a bunch of picks that they were going to go a bit younger. In free agency, they definitely targeted, you know, younger, unproven players to kind of bring in here and give them a chance. So I, I think the fact that they went younger after years of Ryan Pace and the last regime – going older near the end and going much more with a veteran route in terms of their roster construction, just a, a much older roster at the end of the Ryan Pace tenure than what we've seen so far. And, and I think it's one of the main positives of the season so far is that, you know, not only are, do, the, do you have a lot of young guys on the roster, but you have a lot of young guys getting playing time. When you look at, you know, this rookie class so far, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon are both starting on the defensive side of the ball. I expect Vilas Jones to ramp up his role once now that he's back healthy from the hamstring. And then, you know, you look at day three of the draft, Braxton Jones starting a left tackle, Dominique Robinson, you know, making some major contri- contributions as a pass rusher. Like those are some all positive things, even if they're not a whole, he's playing well, the fact that these guys are getting the reps right now, I think, I think that's a big major part of the season. And really it's what this year is all about and seeing what the young guys got uh, for me, I'm touching more on the new coaching staff uh, aspects of this because I think one of the major themes so far this year has been uh, the conservatism from this coaching staff for so far and you kind of expect this with a defensive minded head coach coming in here and Matt Aberflew's kind of bringing that old school Lovey Smith style of uh, defense that Tampa 2 style of defense where he's talking about that hits philosophy you know hustle getting to the football just um, you know not taking too many plays off you know the fact that they're tracking low string games and practices and whatnot like all that, you know, rah-rah, you know, old school type of thinking there. And it's kind of reflected so far in the game management aspect of, you know, where the Bears are at right now, too. You look at the Bears um, as they currently stand right now. I don't think they've attempted a single fourth down. Um, if they have, it's like one or two. But like so far this season, they've been very conservative on fourth down. We saw that reflected in the Giants game where they had a chance to go for it on fourth down a couple of times. And instead, they decided to either kick the field goal or punt in those situations. And, you know, we're seeing a lot, this a lot more in modern football, but teams are being a lot more aggressive on fourth down. So that's something that is, you know, something that that kind of sticks out to me so far coming from a defensive minded head coach. And then of course we've talked about it quite a bit, but the offensive philosophy of Luke Getze right now with going with this, with this run heavy approach, um, the bears are the most run heavy team in the NFL right now. And, it's started to shift over a little bit to uh, them passing the ball more over the last couple of weeks. Um, now that we've gotten away from, you know, obviously week one was that just monsoon of a game against the 49ers where they were going to run the ball regardless. And that one because of the weather conditions, but even without the weather conditions so far this year, the bears have been a super run heavy team. Um, and, you know, at some points I, I get it because the bears, they have been successful on the ground for the most part this season, but there are definitely times where that run heavy philosophy has definitely come back to bite them at times. And, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why this offense so far is one of the worst in the NFL 
besides the fact that they can't pass the bar right now. They have, they have the worst passing offense in the NFL right now, but part of that is also because they're so determined to establish a run. It seems like early in these games that they get away from, you know, whatever positives they can build off of in the passing game, which leads to a lack of rhythm in this offense so far. So I think the conservatism on this coaching staff so far has been something that has really stood out to me um, and extends to the defense, the offense, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, there isn't a ton of forward thinking going on and it does leave again, it's year one of rebuild. We're four games in. I don't want to make any um, rush to conclusions on whether this is a good or a bad thing. Um, but again, when you look at the modern trends of what we're seeing in the NFL in terms of game management and decision-making, um, it definitely is leaving a little bit to be desired right now from this new coaching staff. Yeah, you're right. And you talked about how the Bears run game has come back to bite them at times. And I think that's one of my other themes, too, is simply the fact that there's just too much inconsistency. Right. And I think the inconsistency, when you look at it, ties into the running game but also the conservative game planning and just the inability to just figure out what the passing offense is able to do. Because if you look at the Bears, right, going into Sunday's matchup against the Giants, they were converting in the red zone about 71% of the time. And the NFL average, by the way, was at that point right around 50-ish percent. Now the Bears went 0 for 3 in the red zone, and boom, all of a sudden, they were at that point, that 71 dropped all the way down to a 50%. So when you look at this team and where they're at, right, the inconsistency I think is incredibly maddening because the inconsistency has popped up in the passing game. It has popped up in the offensive line when you're evaluating that entire unit. Someone shared something on Twitter today where apparently via ESPN, Jatir Carter, the rookie sixth-round pick, I believe, is now all of a sudden the Bears starting left guard. Lucas Patrick is being bumped over to center. and. I understand people's concerns about Lucas Patrick's hand and why he wasn't able to start. Like, that's completely fair. But also, the Bears had options, right? They could have slid in Lucas Patrick at left guard, let Cody White here play center, and then let Tevin Jenkins slide in at right guard. Because to me, there's absolutely zero reason for Sam Mustafer to even be starting at this point. The other half of all this and the inconsistency comes down to the fact that it's like this inconsistency that you're seeing, it's hurting the development of the quarterback, right? We're seeing people like Trent Dyfel go on six, seven of the score and basically break down Justin field and say, yeah, Justin had a pretty damn good game, but the core around him wasn't that good. Now, those opinions I think sometimes you agree with, but also sometimes you don't agree with, specifically because we've seen what Justin can do, right? Like the 56-yard bomb to Darnell Mooney on the Giants or the Bears' second drive in that Giants game. You look at the 18-yard pass on the first drive of the Giants game, and you're like, okay, there's flashes there, what this kid can eventually be. But then at the end of the day, you know, the Bears have not put Justin in a position to succeed enough, and the inconsistency around him makes it hard to evaluate him as a whole. Yeah, I, th- I think the inconsistency inconsistency kind of ties into like everything we've talked about so far. You look at you know this being a young roster, a new coaching staff, uh, trying to lay a foundation here, and of course you're dealing with a young quarterback, Justin Fields, whose play style in general lends itself to being inconsistent when Justin Fields, a guy who's going to hold on to the ball so much, he's not really doing a good job of playing in structure right now. His game is heavily reliant on throwing the ball down the field, which is a lot tougher than, you know, consistently, you know, throwing the ball underneath and getting completions underneath. And that's just not Justin Fields game right now. I mean, that in the passing game, that's going to lead to issues. And of course, you know, the pass protection, you know, definitely doesn't help in that regard. Um, but I, I think we're definitely seeing like the youth in this roster is definitely starting to show there are some you know, mistakes being made like Keller Gordon. He's off to a rough start so far in his career. Um, and I, I think it's just it's one of those things where it's going to take some time, I think, for um, everyone to get on the same page here. But, you know, I think you make a good point about the way they've handled the offensive line, like the, the rotation with Jenkins and Patrick. Like I'm you know, it's it stinks that Cody Whitehair is injured right now. And we're, we're going to touch on that in a little bit. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll save that for a little bit now because I want to get to my final theme here before we talk about the offensive line. But I, I will say, like, it, you know, I, I hope that the rotation takes over because I, I just cannot stand that thing, and it led to a lot of issues. But um, as for my final theme here, um, 
so far. And I'm going to the defensive side of the ball for this one. You know, I, I could talk about, you know, Kyler Gordon struggles in the secondary. I could talk about, um, you know, Roquan Smith, you know, and him coming back from, you know, the contract negotiations. But I, I think the biggest thing that struck out to me is that, you know, what has, what was the major storyline for this Bears defense in the off season? Um, I, I think the re you know, the overhaul on the defensive line was one of the bigger storylines from what they did in terms of revamping this roster. You know, look at trading Khalil Mack, letting guys like Akeem Hicks go in free agency, letting guys like Lyle Nichols go in free agency, releasing Eddie Goldman, you know, moving on from that core of that 2018 defensive front that was so dominant for uh, so many years here. And, you know, letting those guys leave, go out the door, bringing some new guys here. You still have Robert Quinn here who, you know, the Bears, you know, it remains to be seen like what the offers were, but I would assume there was trade discussions. I'm sure throughout this off season on Robert Quinn, you know, they probably had the chance to make a deal there, but you know, who knows, you know, what the case was there, but you know, bringing in guys like Justin Jones, you see some young guys coming up like Dominique Robinson, Travis Gibson, um, you know, Angela Blackson still here from his past, from his past regime. But overall, like when I look at this defensive line, it certainly has been a weakness of this defense so far, like the Bears. That I think they have statistically the worst run defense, if not the worst, like one of the worst run defenses in the NFL right now. Um, they just got completely demolished by the, the uh, New York Giants. And a lot of that was schematic stuff that the Giants were doing, but a lot of it's also that, you know, this defensive line is just not very strong against the run right now. And as a pass rushing unit, they're not very strong as well. Like Robert Quinn, we kind of felt like this was, this was coming, but – regression has definitely hit in um, that regard for him. Like he had that ridiculous year last year with the 18 and a half sacks. But I think anyone who's paid attention to Robert Quinn's career knew that he was going to take a bit of a step back this season, just because a lot of what he was doing last year was unsustainable. Um, and he was getting a lot, he was converting a lot of his pressures in the sacks that generally you're just not going to see. Um, and so far, like he, he's definitely come back down to earth. Um, he only has one sack so far this year and he, the last two games, he's been like pretty much completely shut out by some really damn good tackles in Larry Tunsil and Andrew Thomas. Um, but you look at some of the other guys like Dominic Robinson, he had that really nice week one, but since then he hasn't really showed up a ton. Travis Gibson had that game against the Packers where he was pretty good, but otherwise he's been pretty quiet, I think, so far this year. And they've gotten really not much from the interior guys. Like Justin Jones has maybe flashed a couple of times, but Andrew Blackson's giving you nothing right now. Armand Watts isn't giving you a ton in the passing game as a, as a pass rusher. So this defensive line uh, definitely needs a lot of work going forward here. And I think that's one of the themes of this year is that, is that you know, for so long, I felt like the defensive line on the Ryan pace, no matter who you brought in, that defensive line unit was always a strength of this team and really of that defense for such a long time. And right now it isn't. And it feels weird as a Bears fan who's watched this team, you know, as intently as I have over the past five, six or so years to not see that be a strength anymore. So I think that's one of the main themes, major themes of this year uh, is that, you know, the defensive line is definitely taking a step back in this rebuild and, you know, for a defensive scheme that relies as much on getting the pressure out the quarterback with only four rushers and, and stopping uh, the run with only four guys in line of scrimmage to take pressure off those linebackers, you know, it, it definitely leaves a lot to be desired so far in the first year of this rebuild. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. 
So those are some of our major themes for uh, this year so far through the first quarter of the season. I think those are some, some storylines to follow throughout the remainder of the year, but let's get to one of the major storylines that's affecting the bears right now. And we kind of alluded to this, but injuries along the offensive line and some reshufflings along the offensive line. So like I talked about earlier, um, you know, seeing Cody Whitehair go down for what it looks like it's going to be an extended period of time with, I think, a knee injury from this Giants game. You know, the Bears offensive line has been in flux all year long as they try to kind of figure out a rotation in that or a certain lineup that works for them. And now it seems like they're going to be shuffling around again. We had Luke Getze talk about uh, in a, in a post-practice presser today or was yesterday or today, I forget which one it was, but basically saying that they haven't decided on a – starting offensive line yet. And it's just, (laughs) it's a weird thing because, you know, you just saw the bears coming off their worst performance as an offensive line unit last week. Um, It, it leaves me with a lot of questions of, you know, are we going to see a quality performance from this offensive line moving forward? Because Cody Whitehair has been probably their best offensive lineman so far. And that's a huge blow for what they are trying to build right now. Cody Whitehair has been the Bears' most consistent offensive lineman over like the last two or three years. I can definitely say since the Bears moved on from Kyle Long going into, I believe it was the 2020 season. Now, ultimately look at it and you say that possibly could have been Cody's last snap in Chicago with the Bears because he is one of those guys that you could look to cut next year with all these young talent that's kind of on the way. Now, when I look at the injuries to the offensive line, right, there's a lot of, I think, shuffling that still is going to be done. And the biggest move I think that has to be made is moving Lucas Patrick to center finally and just benching Sam Mustafer. But then I think you run into a bit of a conundrum, right? Because you know Braxton Jones isn't going anywhere. And so it's like, who do you have at left guard? For left guard, you could try a veteran like Michael Schofield out there. Um, possibly, do you decide to move someone like a Larry Borum inside and move him at right guard, shuffle Jenkins to left guard, and then see what a player like Riley Reef can do at right tackle? Because Riley Reef does have experience playing that right tackle position. And, you know, if we're going to be honest, right, like Riley Reef's on the tail end of his career. But if I'm being objective about Riley Reef's NFL career, I mean, he would in some years be one of the best offensive linemen on the Bears, by the way, because he was never really an overly flashy player, but he was somebody that had enough in him to warrant just being consistent. And right now, I think that's the big thing for this team is they need to find a lot of consistency, especially along the offensive line. Cause I alluded to it before and I'm going to say it again. It's like, it, it almost seems like Justin is playing as bad as he is because he doesn't have confidence in the big boys in front of him to be able to make solid plays and to be able to hold the fork down in both run and pass blocking so that Justin can be the facilitator of the Bears offense. And quite frankly, as a quarterback who's starting his 15th career NFL game, by the way, I think that's really all you can ask from Justin is that don't be a hero, just be a facilitator. Yeah, there clearly is a lack of trust between Justin Fields and their protection. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Justin Fields, you know, have a clean pocket, but it's like he's seeing ghosts and at the slightest hint of pressure, you know, he's out there running because he just doesn't trust what's in front of him or what's, you know, going coming to him around the edges. And that's certainly an issue. And I think some of that kind of reaches back to last year where the protection wasn't great, but this year it has definitely been a huge, you know, part of Justin Fields' lack of development and even regression to an extent because this offensive line hasn't performed great in pass protection so far. And they've tried to protect this group a little bit uh, by using chips and play action and moving the pocket a bunch. And it has worked to a degree, but the Giants really exposed this. Uh, like Sam must have had a abysmal game um, last in his last game. And like, just it, you can't fix a lack of talent. And right now the Bears have a lack of talent up front. So in terms of what they're going to do, like I think they're going to stick with what they ended the game with, to be honest with you, in this last game. So they ended it with Jones, uh, 
Lucas Patrick at left guard, Sam Osifer at center, uh, Tone Jings at right guard, and Larry Borm at right tackle. And, you know, I don't see the reason to really change that at, at the moment because Riley Reef, I'm not sure he's a great fit at guard because he is kind of a taller, slender player. Like, you know, at that guard spot, you want someone that has a little bit more, you know, mass and can, you know, get underneath guys a little bit more with leverage. And Riley Reef, that's never been his – his game, he's more of an upright type of guy, so he's better off at tackle. And, you know, Borum, in my opinion, Borum, like, I, I going back and watching him a little bit more, like, I don't think he's been as bad as, you know, as some of the perception maybe from others. Like, he hasn't been great by any means, but of the two tackles between him and Jones, I think he's been the better tackle of the two so far, which isn't to be unexpected uh, because he does have a year more of, uh, you know, experience under him. Jones has definitely been inconsistent, but you know, they, they've already committed to him and again. It's a rebuilding year. So why not give Jones as many reps as possible? And, and, and it's really the only issue with me when it comes to Jones is that they're not protecting him enough with chips and double teams and whatnot. So that, that's my main issue with Braxton Jones is you see some flashes for him, but there's going to be inconsistencies for him in year one. Again, in terms of what's on the roster right now, I, I just don't know what the better combination is because as bad as Sam Mustafer has been like, I don't know. I just don't know if there's a better option at guard right now between, you know, Patrick. And I guess they put, they could put you Tyree Carter, but you mentioned the ESPN thing. Like I'm taking no stock in what anything that ESPN puts out there in terms of depth charts, because ESPN has no clue on these, on these things. Like I'm just being honest. Like I, I don't think they have any clue what's going on um, really, but um, yeah, I, I think what they're going to end up doing is what we saw at the end of the game. You know, again, like I kind of said before, like the only positive from this Cody White hair injury situation is that, um, is that we finally get to see the stop of this really stupid and boneheaded coaching decision to have this rotation at right guard that you know, leads to a lot of that inconsistency, inconsistency that you talk about because you're switching Lucas Patrick and Jenkins like every other possession, and it's like after a while, it's like offensive lines like they need that continuity together to you know really find that trust with each other and find that chemistry. And if you're constantly switching them in and out, especially when Tevin Jenkins has been like by far the better of the two, like Patrick has been so porous at times with his pass protection and his run blocking hasn't been nearly as good as Tevin Jenkins. So like, I, it's one of those things where like, uh, you know, the coaching staff clearly loves uh, Lewis Patrick because Getsy has that relationship with him. And for whatever reason, it seems like this regime is just like trying to find any excuse not to like Tevin Jenkins for whatever reason, even though Tevin Jenkins is probably their most talented offensive lineman. And it's just bizarre because, like, you, you hear comments about you from saying, like, oh, well, you know, J- Tevin Jenkins isn't having the greatest practices on Wednesday. It's like, okay, like, but I don't care how he practices on Wednesday when he's clearly your better option at right guard on the games on Sunday like clearly better than Lucas Patrick. So like, this isn't high school anymore. Like this is the big boys. This is the NFL. Like it's about who gives you the best chance to win football games on Sunday or who's your better player on Sundays. And Jenkins is their best right guard right now. So I I don't, I don't, it's just a BS excuse. Like I don't understand that, but I mean, that's, that's how they want to handle this, I guess. But yeah, I mean, hopefully they, they stop that moving forward and we just see a rotation of just, or a certain lineup of, just five guys and just keep it at that. But, you know, one more injury and things can get rough here because the depth of this unit was already bad. And I think it's getting exposed right now. One more injury and things can get really ugly here. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it look like you look at the four day three traffics that the Bears made at offensive line and you're almost like, Jatir Carter, Doug Kramer, Zach Thomas have not really even been much factors. They weren't necessarily guys who impressed throughout training camp. And so in a certain way, right, it's it's almost like hindsight 2020 shows that maybe just maybe we're looking at 2022 and saying at least going into next year, that there could be a lot more holes to fill along the offensive line than people were willing to admit. Because originally, and if you remember going back about six months when the Bears went ahead and drafted those four guys, everyone felt like there was a lot of depth. And I think that there was depth with one condition. 
the depth was on paper. Now we're seeing the Bears don't really have much of depth at really any position on offense outside of running back. Yeah, I mean, we kind of, again, like, for anyone who thought that, like, the Bears had significant more depth because they made a bunch of day three flyers like, on the offensive line, like, I'm all for making day three flyers in the offensive line. It's it's good to take as many swings as possible at that position. But, like, you know, relying on Tyree Carter, Doug Kramer, you know, Zach Thomas, and even Braxton Jones, who has stepped up so far this year. But expecting any of those guys to do anything as rookies, like, that's a very – a very hard high bar, I guess, to, to fulfill there because most rookie offensive linemen struggle, especially day three picks. And um, I mean, those are, you know, just swings at, at the draft pick there that you you hope it works out, but you know, there's no guarantee that a six round pick is going to work out. So, I mean, it it goes back to the lack of investment in this unit in the off season, like entirely relying, you know, if, if you as a NFL team builder, is relying solely on, you know, six round draft picks to fill your depth on the roster when it comes to the offensive line, then you've done a poor job of building the offensive line, in my opinion, because that's just not a way to do it. Like it's fine to take those swings, but you should be constantly trying to add depth and and experience to that unit as much as possible, especially in a position like the bears where, you know, offensive line is definitely a huge part of Justin Fields and his development. But I mean, that's clearly not the focus for, this bear regime and, and year one of this rebuild. So there's not much we can, we can say right now about, you know, the talent on this offensive line right now. It is what it is. Like this roster is what it is. You know, maybe I, I guess if they want to lose, move Lucas Patrick to the center, like Michael Schofield's still in the roster. So he could maybe give him a try at left guard. You know, they, they brought in Alex Leatherwood from the Raiders. So maybe they try him at left guard. I, I'm just throwing some options out there that the bears could try. I, I don't see them doing that necessarily, but you know, going forward, like the offensive line, it's an issue. It's going to be an issue. And, you know, hopefully they figure some things out over the next few weeks that Cody Whitehair is out. And then when he comes back, it's a seamless plug and play. And, and, you know, this Bears offensive line can hopefully start to play better over the next few weeks because, man, I mean, they're going to need to because they're going up against some really dang good pass rushes coming up soon. When you look at, you know, the Vikings have those edge rushers and Daniel Hunter and Darius Smith. Uh, you know, the Cowboys are coming up when they have probably the best pass rush in the NFL. The commanders have some pass rushers that can get after the quarterback. So it's, it's, it's going to be some tough sledding for this bears offensive line over the next few weeks. But uh, moving on to our next topic here, let's talk about, you know, going big picture again, you know, we talked about some of the major things from the season so far, but you know, what are, what is one thing that we have learned from this bears team that we think will shape how they approach 2023 you say it. I'll, I'll start with you. What's one thing that you learned about this Bears team that you think is relevant for next year? It's certainly such an intriguing question to ask, and I look at where the Bears are at. I've touched on the inconsistency as well as the youth movement, but I think one of the things I've learned is that it could take possibly more than one offseason to be able to even get the Bears offense back to being competitive or being one of the best units in the league. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the 2023 offseason, right, what happens in 2022 shapes what happens in 2023. Next offseason, though, everyone's talking about the fact that the Bears have six draft picks, including a first-rounder. Everyone's talking about the fact that the Bears have upwards of $100 million in cap space. But you have to take that with a grain of salt. And you have to take the cap space with a grain of salt because the bears don't have, you know, 53 guys on the roster for next year. You know, now can they create another 20 to 30 million as a result of certain cuts like Robert Quinn, as well as Cody white here? Yes, they can. But then again, I think they, the other half of all this comes down to the fact that there's these players like a Darnell Mooney or a Jalen Johnson, even David Montgomery, Cole Komet, right, that are all going to be extension eligible. And then you factor that in with could the Bears decide to go ahead and retain some of their own free agents like a Nicholas Morrow. Another player that's up for an extension is Roquan Smith. So the thing is, is what we're seeing this year is that Ryan Pohl's teardown in 2022 
means the pressure's fully on him in 2023. And I say the pressure's on him in 2023 because there's been a lot of fans that have kind of given polls a hell of a lot of slack on social media over the last basically three to four days saying that it's not his fault that the roster is the way it is right now. He inherited this mess from Ryan Pace. And there is truth to that, right? Like, yeah, Ryan Pace didn't leave you with a first-round pick, but not every situation is going to be perfect in terms of draft capital. Yeah, Ryan Pace basically had all this dead money that you're basically forcing the Bears to pay off because of overpaying for guys like Nick Foles and Danny Trevathan. But then also at the end of the day, like, you got rid of them, right? And the moment you hired Ryan Poles, you basically as an organization said, this is not Ryan Pace's team anymore. This is more so Ryan Poles team and it's Poles job to do whatever he pleases. And so if Poles falls short next year, which I think he's got at least four years here in Chicago to prove himself, then I think what will happen is there are going to be chants that are growing louder and louder and louder because people are going to say, hey, you literally purged the roster your first offseason here and you've come up short in your second roster when you had more than enough tools and resources to be able to deliver and deliver at a high level. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, also with any NFL GM, like you have to give them at least three years before fully evaluating what they or how they've done at the job. And while I've been pretty hard on Ryan Poles this offseason in terms of some of the decisions he's made and, and some of the things that he's emphasized here, you know, going with a more of a defensive minded approach in the draft, um, you know, not making too many investments on the offensive side of the ball in free agency when there were options available to them to invest in, on that side of the ball to improve the talent a little bit. Um, you know, how conservative they have been, like I get resetting the, the cap space situation, but, you know, some of the decisions like, you know, holding on to Robert Quinn as long as they did, like, again, it takes two to tango in those situations, but I feel like they could have gotten a draft pick for Robert Quinn. And now like his, his, his trade value has got to be in, in the tubes right now because he's been playing really bad um, so far to start this season. Just not, not the same guy that he was last year, but again, there are definitely things to nitpick about some of the things, some of the things that Ryan Poles has done, but at the end of the day, I think anyone praising Ryan Poles and giving him a pass for anything is mistaken. You're one to this um, operation, but anyone who is calling it Ryan Poles to be fired immediately after one year is also mistaken. Because again, like I said, it takes time for these things to develop. It takes time to build an organization with a new regime. So you just have to give it time and you got to see what happens. And ultimately I think we have to criticize the decisions we don't like, but also it's always you know effective and, and fair to praise the decisions that we do like. So um, there's a lot of give and take there, I think with Ryan Poles, but yeah, I mean, next offseason is going to be the big one because there's going to be a lot of decisions to make a lot of guys that he's going to have to choose whether he's, he's going to keep them long-term or not. And like you said, like the, the, the cap space thing, it is a bit deceiving because, you know, this upcoming free agency class, I'll be honest, like I'm looking at some of the names that are going to be available. It's not great. Um, the bears have a ton of needs. Um, they have a ton of, you know, spots to fill. They have some free agents that they can, you know, have to make a decision on whether they're keeping it or not. You look at Rokon Smith, David Montgomery, some of the bigger names there, and then extensions like 
what are they going to do with Darnell Mooney? Will they try to extend Jalen Johnson early? Like, what are they doing with Cole Komet? Like, those are all guys that you have to keep in mind as well. Um, when I look at the one thing I've learned from this Bears team so far is that, you know, I, if I've learned anything is I've learned that, you know, just feels future in Chicago may not be as, you know, concrete and safe as I thought it would like going into this year, I thought for sure that, you know, Justin Fields at the very least would, you know, get this year and next year with this new regime. And then they would, you know, then we would start to see, you know, some of the questions come of, you know, do the bears build around Justin Fields moving forward? You know, is he is their guy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so far this year with how Justin Fields has played and how the situation around him has kind of contributed to that, now I'm starting to question, you know, is do the Bears have their quarterback to build around here long term? And, you know, it's, it's a tough question to pose and it's a tough one to answer here because there are so many factors at play and it is very early in the season. You know, look at Justin Fields. He's a young quarterback in a new system, um, you know, still looking out the kinks here, still trying to get a chemistry with all the new faces around him. But, you know, how much value is there in that chemistry when a lot of these guys, you, you know, you look at Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, you know, Dante Pettis, you know, guys that aren't going to be long-term pieces for this team moving forward because they just aren't good players at the NFL level. Um, we've already talked about the offensive line ad nauseum here today. Um, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you're asking me how I feel about Justin Fields now compared to what I did in the offseason, like, in the offseason, I felt confident that Justin Fields was going to be the guy that was, it might take some time, but that they would get through this year. It might be a struggle at times, but that we would see consistent development throughout the course of the season, that he would get better. And that by the end of the year, you know, you would feel at least good enough to say that, okay, the Bears, you know, should have enough information to say that, okay, let's give him some weapons next year. Let's build this offensive line next year and give him a fair chance to really evaluate whether he's the guy or not. And so far, his play has been so bad this year that I'm I'm just like, me personally, I think I would stick with Justin Fields next year just because I don't think they're going to be in a position to, you know, get a guy to upgrade at that spot next year. And I don't want to go the veteran route. And, you know, there are some rookie quarterbacks we can talk about a little bit here. But ultimately, like, his play on the field has not been good enough, I think. Um, and with Ryan Poles being a new GM here, is he going to look at that and say, okay, we got to move on and try to bring another guy? And, you know, you look at some of the guys we talked about, like C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, and Will Levis has really started to come up with draft boards for a lot of people. So it's one of those things where, you know, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to start doing this this early on. But do I need to start putting my attention towards watching these young quarterbacks more this this upcoming year because you know, the Bears might have a quarterback problem? And I – I hate to say it because I love Justin Fields and I love his potential here, but it's one of those things where it's just, it's a tough situation because his play hasn't justified getting another year so far, but at the same time, the situation around him is so bad that like, I don't want to put it all on him because there are so many factors right now that are just a mess for this Bears offense. You're right. And, and, you know, I want to touch on the topic of um, possibly drafting another quarterback. I think, so could you do it next year? Yeah. But then again, it, you're you're almost like you're resetting and reopening a window that hasn't even been opened yet, if we're being honest. And what I mean by that is you could draft a QB next year and then trade away Justin Fields and make that QB your main project moving forward. But then again, you know, the question of is the roster still good enough because we don't know what's going to happen in terms of the roster outside of QB next offseason. Is that roster still going to be good enough? Teams typically have always used the rookie contract to kind of build up an entire roster. And then a mass roster purge happens when that kind of QB is able to go ahead and and basically earn that second contract and just take massive steps forward. If you were to ask me what I think the Bears should do with Justin Fields next year, I'm going to tell you the same thing. There's no point in you going ahead and 
moving on from him in 2023. It just makes more sense to keep him on your roster in 2023, see what you're able to do. And then if he still continues to struggle, that's when you decide to go ahead and say it's time to move on. And what's the advantage of that? So we don't know what the class of 2024 is going to look like. But we do know that this is still going to be a young team going into 2023 and all throughout the 2023 season. So the Bears will have a chance to have had a full offseason to shore up the roster around the quarterback. And then going into 2024, they'll have more additional assets. And then they can kind of say, let's get serious about taking a quarterback here. I think that that just makes logically the most sense rather than doing it the other way around, which is opening a window. That's not really open that you hope is going to open as a result of having a rookie quarterback on your roster. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way that you do. Like ultimately like in an ideal world, I think the best case scenario is Justin Fields, you know, shows enough signs of progress this year that the Bears feel confident enough to say, like, okay, maybe we don't feel like he's 100% the guy, but we like what we saw at the end of this year. Let's get him some weapons. Let's get him an offensive line that's competent, and let's see what he can do then and evaluate what he, what he is in a better situation. And hopefully he can take that next step in a better situation because right now he's not in a position to succeed in the, in the current spot that he's in. Um, that could certainly be the case. Like again, going into the year, I thought that would be the case where he would show enough this year in a bad situation to where, um, you know, they would go not all in necessarily, but they would improve the offense in the offseason next year with more cap space, more draft picks and whatnot. And then, you know, get a better idea of what he is after that. But I mean, I'll say this at this point, if Justin Fields continues to regress and go down the path that he's been on so far this year, where, you know, he's not getting better and, He's still struggling with, you know, playing within the rhythm of the offense and he's taking too many sacks and not justifying it with enough big plays to offset that. Uh, and this offense continues to be as as dismal as it is in the passing game. I, I'm not saying that I would make the move to move on from Justin Fields, but I'm saying like Ryan Poles as a new GM, he may see that and say like, okay, maybe this isn't the guy that I want to build around and we got to start thinking of, you know, bring another quarterback. And honestly, I feel like if they bring another quarterback to the situation, it's going to be the same exact thing because this is not a situation conducive to developing a young quarterback. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, it, it, the quarterback position, it's the most important position in all of sport. And until you get it right, you have to keep on taking swings to that spot um, until you get it right. But I mean, at this point, I'd rather they just build the roster first and then decide on getting that next quarterback in there because there are so many problems with this roster and they had to fix that first and hopefully Justin Fields. I hope that Justin Fields is the guy for them um, when they do finally fix that this roster. So enough of the big picture talk. Let's get to previewing this upcoming game for the Bears against the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, the Vikings, they're a three and one team. I think they're first place in the NFC North as it stands right now because of their week one win over the Green, Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Vikings, new head coach here coming in, um, a little bit of a different f- philosophy, uh, being more offensive-minded. You know, Kirk Cousins is, you know, off to a decent start this, so far this year. This offense has you know, had its ups and downs, but uh, Minnesota, they're coming off a big win against the New Orleans Saints in London, um, coming back home here. And the Bears, I mean, it's one of those things where this is a big game in the division for this one. So, um you know, to preview this game, let's start off with what are some of the major matchups for uh, this game on both sides of the ball? Let's start with uh, the Bears offense going up against this Vikings defense. Uh, what's your biggest matchup there, you said? Yeah, Bears offense against the Vikings defense. I think what you're going to see is can the Bears front five take on the Vikings front three? Because this is a team that is undergoing a scheme change Minnesota at least they're running more of that Vic Fangio style defense and so as a result of it you know they have a lot of three-man fronts right their linebackers play at an incredibly fast level and I think on the back end Harrison Smith is a safety who's in his 30s but is about as good as it gets but just can the Bears control the line of scrimmage up front can you get offensive linemen that are not going to blow or I'm sorry get blown off the line of scrimmage 
every single time? Can you get guys that blow defensive linemen off the line of scrimmage to allow the running game and passing game to set the tone for the rest of the game? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I think the run game is also is a key part in this one, a key matchup for this Bears offensive line. But I think the tackles going up against Danil Hunter and Zanaria Smith is going to be a big matchup as well on the offensive side of the ball because you know Daniel Hunter, he's struggled with injuries the last few years, but when he's on the field, he's probably a top 10 edge rusher in the game. And, and the same goes for Zanaria Smith as well. And the thing with Zanaria Smith is he's a guy that can move all across the line in their pass rushing packages. So, you know, how do they handle – you know, a, a versatile player like Smith, you know, going all the way across the line. We talked about the struggles of Mustafer and Patrick in, in pass protection. You know, I, I have a feeling that's an area Smith. There's going to be multiple instances on, you know, obvious passing situations where they're going to line up Smith on one of those two guys and they're going to have to make that block one-on-one. And, you know, it's so far they haven't been able to show to me that they can hold up in those situations. So that's kind of a matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing is how does, does the offensive line handle that? Um, that matchup of Zedary Smith being that versatile chess piece for the Vikings pass rush. Um, defensively, I'll, I'll start off here, you said, for my matchup. Um, I, I think the biggest one for me is I'm looking at the edge rushers here for um, this Bears team. And I look at the offensive tackles that the, that the Vikings have. Um, you know, Christian Darisaw at the left on the left side, um, he's had a really good start to the year, a second-year offensive tackle who was a first-round pick of the Vikings last year. He's he's looked really good so far. As, as gonna be the, that's going to be the matchup for Robert Quinn. So, you know, I have a hard time seeing, you know, Quinn taking advantage of that matchup too often because Darisaw has been very good so far. Um, but also, like, at the right side, like, Brian O'Neill is a pretty solid tackle as well. So how does Travis Gibson and uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad and, you know, Dominique Robinson, how do all those guys – make an impact in this game because, you know, the best way to get after Kirk Cousins is to get constant pressure on him in the pocket. Um, and if you can get pressure on him early, it can start to rattle his game a little bit. Um, you know, I think the Bears defensive interior, you know, against the offensive line interior of the Vikings, that's kind of like a weakness on weakness po- point. So that's not really like a big matchup for me. Like to me, the pass rush, a lot of it hinges on how those edge rushers do against those tackles who, you know, have been pretty solid so far to start the season. Yeah, I think when you look at the Minnesota Vikings tackles, right, like they've invested in that position. It's very clear. I mean, Christian Darisol was a 2021 first-round pick. You know, you're right, as you touched on it earlier in the podcast, so like the lack of pass rush is quite maddening, if we're going to be honest, when it comes to this Bears team. I think that when I look at it, you know, one player for the Bears that needs to have an absolutely big game this weekend has to be Kyler Gordon, right? And I say that because when you look at Kyler Gordon as a prospect, I mean, we all know what he could do while he was at the University of Washington. He's really struggled here so far. And going up against Justin Jefferson as well as Adam Thielen with no Jalen Johnson because Johnson was just not practice on Thursday it really creates such a big void and you know the Bears are gonna have to get so creative to kind of mask some of Gordon's struggles and what I mean by that is simply when you look at it right you're gonna have to go ahead and have Jaquan Brisker play 
up closer to the line of scrimmage and possibly go into more cover one looks, right, to allow Eddie Jackson to control the back end of the defense. It's just they're going to have to play the Bears DBs a physical brand of football. Kyler Gordon's going to have to be the most physical of all if the Bears are going to have any shot against an aerial attack that, let's be honest, has been pretty solid to start the season. I mean, I yeah, I mean, uh, I certainly hope that <laughs> Eberflus's plan is not to match up Kyler Gordon with Justin Jefferson one on one too often. I think, you know, with Eberflus's zone defense, that they are going to be a little bit more conservative at not getting in those one on one matchups. But you know, the Vikings have been very creative at moving Justin Jefferson around and getting him on different matchups so so far this season. So. You know, I wonder what their plan is to stop Justin Jefferson because they can't stop Jefferson. Like, he has the ability to take over the game and really dominate. So I hope that they find a way to kind of, I don't know about neutralize him, but slow him down just a little bit so that he doesn't take it over. Because if he takes it over in the passing game there, that makes everything much more difficult because then you got to stop Dalvin Cook. You got to stop Adam Thielen in the passing game. Um, you got some tight ends there that the Vikings have. So everything starts with Justin Jefferson, and I hope that, you know, I hope the plan isn't to just have Kyler Gordon, you know, single up, cover him the entire game because that's a recipe for a disaster there. And I, I don't think he was going to do that. I think they're going to go zone heavy in this one and, you know, not expose their corners too much to uh, these very talented Vikings wide receivers. Um, so before we wrap it up here, you say, let's get to our predictions for this one. Who's your X factor for this game? And what do you think the score is going to be in? Who do you have winning this game? So, yeah, I've got the Vikings winning this game. I think they're going to come out and they're going to go ahead and win this game by a score of 24 to, I'm sorry, 27 to 14. I would say the X factor, like I said, is the secondary, right? You have Thielen and Jefferson. Can Gordon and Brisker have the game of their life with the status of Jalen Johnson uncertain? Yeah, the secondary needs to have a big game in this one. Um, pass rush needs to get after Kirk Cousins. Um, there's there's a lot of things that the Bears defense needs to do here, but I'm with you. I think I think the Bears are going to lose this one as well. I have the Vikings winning 31 to 20. I think the offense will hopefully be a little bit better in this one, uh, just because the Vikings defense hasn't been very good so far to start the season. Other than Week One, it seems like quarterbacks have been able to have some success against this Vikings passing defense and. You know, so I hope that Justin Fields is going to have his best game of the season to date, and he's going to be my X factor for this one because if he can have a big game in this one, um, that's going to be that's that's going to be huge because they need. I, I don't think this Bears defense is going to be able to stop uh, this offense, you know, too much over the course of the game. Um, there's just too much talent on this Vikings offense, um, and Bears are at a talent deficiency right now uh, with some of the injuries in the secondary. Um, so. Ultimately, like I think this offense needs to show up and have a big game, especially in the passing game. You know, th this is a very conservative Vikings defense. They're not looking to blitz too much. They're going to, you know, play two, two high safeties the entire game. They're going to force you to, you know, beat, beat you underneath. And that's not really what Justin Fields' game is right now. He's looking to get the deep shot and big play every single time. I hope that he can play a little bit better in structure in this game and, and take what's given to him from the defense underneath. And, you know, hopefully we start to see some bigger plays in the passing game and more consistent, you know, play in the passing game because of that. So that's that's my prediction. But ultimately, I, I think the Vikings offense is going to be a little bit too much for the Bears here. So 31-20 for the Bears um, on the road here, and that's going to put them to below 500 um, five weeks into the season for me. Um, so with that said, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Polls podcast here at the Bearport and Blue, Blue Wire Pods. Uh, make sure to like, rate, uh, review, and subscribe to the, the Bearport and Blue Wire Pods um, as well. Um, make sure to give the Bearport Podcast a follow with Zach and Aaron uh, and follow their work as well. For us here at Pitcher Polls, make sure to follow us on social media on Twitter at Pitcher Polls is our Twitter handle. So make sure to go give us a, give us a follow. Uh, as for you said, where can our listeners find you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. That's my Instagram too. You can check out my work on the Bear Report. I just dropped a, well, it's about, been about a week, but I dropped a 2023 NFL mock draft, a Bears edition. So I'm going to be dropping one the last Friday of each month over the next couple of weeks here. 
Absolutely. Make sure to go check those out by you say for some mock draft content. As for me, uh, you can find my work on the bear report as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. As far as, as far as my work as uh, on the bear report goes, uh, make sure to uh, keep track of my tracking the trenches series um, going over the bears offensive line and defensive line play. I have a lot of fun uh, writing up that series every single week. Um, it's really fun to uh, dive into the film and, uh, look at the pass rush and pass protection and see how those guys are doing in the trenches because <clears throat> it's an aspect of play that can often be overlooked, but it's a huge part of determining the outcomes of these games. And uh, it's one that I think a lot of Bears fans appreciate. It's one that I have a lot of fun putting together. So make sure to check that out on the Bear Report as well. But as for us here, that's going to do it for us here at Pittsburgh Polls. Um, again, we covered a lot of grounds today, but in, at the in, at the end of the day, we're all hoping for a Bears win here on Sunday, a big division game in the NFC North, and hopefully next week we're talking about a Bears win with you guys. Uh, but until next time, Bears fans, have a great weekend and bear down. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.